Good morning, Christ Church. Solicit your prayers around the theme, the assurance of the shepherd. Or better yet, for some of us, maybe, hashtag, a sheep's assurance. I like that. Hashtag, a sheep's assurance. You see, it was two weeks ago my husband and I were preparing to leave and while giving final instructions to our sitter, something happened. Something happened that we never experienced before. At the point of giving the final note of instruction and wishing everyone well, you know, the children were going back and forth, beginning to argue over those last chicken nuggets. I offered a closing salutation and said to the sitter, the Lord be with you. (laughs) Now they are yours for a few short hours. But it was then when I said, the Lord be with you, it was our son, Noah Baxter, our three-year-old, without hesitation, sitting in his, his chair. You know, we still have to put him in the chair because he likes to roam while he's eating. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want that little three-year-old finger. (laughs) He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, mama. (laughs) He done something special. He done something special and he knows it. He knew at that moment he'd never done that before. And so in that moment, the sitter who has known our three-year-old son since the age of three months, she knew she'd never witnessed that. She looked. My husband locked eyes with me. He looked at me, and I looked at him. He looked at me, and I looked back at him. Truth be told, we were all surprised. We were shocked straight. We knew that this was the one every morning and morning devotional time that he would become so agitated and disgruntled. He had no time for any of this devotional stuff. I want to play before school. I want to get on the floor with my trucks and my trains. Someone told me this morning, put a little Jesus in the train. Then maybe he'll pay attention. But he just had no time for this. And church, you must understand that this is a child from early toddlerhood who had become so riled. I didn't know what was going on because with our daughter Gabrielle, of course, it's a different story. Not only was she the older of the two, she different. She's a girl and she quite enjoyed our morning devotional time and hearing mama sing. She liked to encourage her mama, whom she knows cannot sing. (laughs) But she would encourage me by asking for her own request. You know, mommy, sing that one. Let's sing this one. And she'd say, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll sing. And Noah had no parts of any of that stuff. So she, Gabrielle, would encourage me while he would, unbeknownst to him, discourage me. In my spirit, I would become so concerned that this moment, this simple moment of faith formation was just lost on our three-year-old son. And unfortunately, there were moments where 
I thought I'd just have to give up trying and maybe come back to it down the line, you know, when he's a little older, maybe five, six or so. I don't know. Just thought I'd have to give it up. But here it was, that moment of hope that I needed, that reassurance that something there was happening, something that was going to hopefully last a lifetime. While Gabrielle was always encouraging Mama and and I knew that she was getting it and that she enjoyed it, she didn't know that Mama was betting against the odds that she would ever doubt the existence of God. She didn't know that Mama would sing to her in utero and read the Psalms daily to her while she was being formed in the womb. I'm glad our little girl enjoyed this time of sharing in God's praises and giving the Lord our proper worship and thanks for another day on life's journey. She quite enjoyed the prayers and the songs. But as for Noah, the one who seemed to be turned totally off, in this moment he was acutely aware that these songs, this prayer, different from the nursery rhymes or the music on some of the radio stations, that this moment, this prayer, has somewhere come to fruition. That somewhere inside of him, he too would get it. Yes, he is getting it. So yes, church, sometimes it's simply good to give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Our sitter sat there as if she were shouting, ready to jump out of her seat, happy and ecstatic, because again, she's known him since the age of three months. In that moment, I was so grateful. I knew it wasn't me. Grateful for his preschool experience where the director, a devout Seventh-day Adventist of the evangelical persuasion, had done something to help us along because morning devotions at his preschool occur before they receive a daily hot breakfast. I guess Noah felt like he needed to get on in with this if he were going to eat something. (laughs) However they got it into him, they got it. And I hope that it just continues to build. But that means for all the times he didn't want to be bothered to participate at home in devotions, I knew that in school he would join in singing because he knew that he had to join in singing or he probably wouldn't eat. And for me, that was okay. I said, all right, the Lord deserves a hand clap of praise. Thank you, son. Thank you so much. Thank God for you. My son, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It is this very foundational psalm that has given hope to God's creation since the beginning of time. Many of us can quote the words of this psalm from memory, can't we? David's words of thanksgiving continuing to echo the trust of one who has completely come to rely upon God as shepherd, protector, and guide. Yes, it is the very psalm that is often heard in the midst of death and dying, but it is also to be heard amid the ordinary, even mundane activities of our daily living. Historically, yes, we know this is attributed to David, the one anointed as king, as with many of the psalms, he was the one who became the greatest king, the people of Israel, that little shepherd boy. One might say it would be David's shepherding days as a youth that would prepare him for shepherding God's flock, the nation of Israel. It is for this reason we often interpret this psalm from the perspective of the shepherd. 
David's words. However, today I encourage you to look at Psalm 23 from the vantage point of the sheep. That's right, a sheep's assurance. That's what we need. It might be quite challenging for today's cosmopolitan Christian, but go with me for a moment. You see, in Scripture, sheep, the most frequently mentioned animal, nearly 400 or so references, and yes, shepherds even receive their due approximately 100 times they are mentioned. But sheep were a central part of the Israelite economy from its earliest days. Abraham, Isaac, Moses, David, and yes, even the prophet Amos were all shepherds. But lest we forget, it is Women's History Month, is it not? Ah, Women's History Month, about to close, but somewhere it says that, yes, they weren't the only ones. Rebecca and the daughters of Jethro were considered shepherdesses, too. That's right, sisters, let's get in on this action. We can lead and guide as well, can we not? Raised for both food and wool sheep were a natural part of life in this arid eastern Mediterranean because they could survive with a minimum of water and grass. They, they could move during times of drought. Sheep were not fenced in and left to fend for themselves. Oh. Instead, they were totally dependent on their shepherds for protection, grazing, watering, shelter, and tending to injuries. Therefore, without a good shepherd, Without a good shepherd, sheep would not survive. Thus we come to the comforting words of David today in the 23rd Psalm, assuring us, assuring we the sheep that the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not be in want because of the Lord's grace, because of the Lord's presence. God, yes, is our protector and we will survive. We will survive. We have to survive because the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He revives my soul and guides me along right paths for his name's sake. We are the sheep and the Lord is our shepherd. Our shepherd guides us in the right path, leading us in paths of righteousness. Yes, we are like sheep, and if left to its own devices, sheep, being unintelligent animals, without guidance, would wander away while grazing and not be able to find its way back to the sheepfold. Are we not like sheep? We don't want to confess that sometimes we have our moments like sheep. So often we allow our worries and fears to separate us from the fold. The people who find themselves falling upon hard times are just concerned as to whether there is really a God. Step away from the church. Stop worshiping with the community of faith. Church, as we move forward in this Lenten journey, go with the assurance like David, with the confidence that if we step out of the way and allow God to order our steps, if we step out of the way and allow God to lead us, we do have the assurance that we will be led down the right pathways, pathways which lead to righteousness, pathways that will sure us up and help us 
on every leaning side. Every time we doubt, the shepherd is there. Every time we question, the shepherd is there. So when we get back to the basics, church, we remember that nothing can quite measure up to the words found in the Psalter. There is something about these ancient words that evoke immediate calm and causes those who would choose to listen to pause for a moment of self-reflection and introspection. For isn't that what Lent is all about? Our time to sit and look inward, to rest in God's presence. Our time when we're doubtful to be reminded that there is a reason to have hope. It would seem that the vicissitudes of life would overtake us until we remembered the Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack for nothing. This particular psalm is at the core of faith for me and for my household because when my brother, sister, and I would face difficulty, my, my mother, God rest her soul, used to encourage us to recite this psalm over any other. She would say, when any challenge presented in life, recite the 23rd Psalm three times. One for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Ghost. Yes, I'm telling you the truth. Can't make this up. My mama, in her own formula, found great comfort in the 23rd Psalm. She said, when faced with trials in life, you just have to give it to God and leave it there. So when faced with multiple challenges of any kind, any unique circumstances, my mother would say, pray the 23rd Psalm three times and let it go. If you got to her on the phone and asked for her opinion, she said, did you pray the 23rd Psalm? Yes, ma'am. Well, I don't need to say anything. (laughs) Thank you, mama, for that wisdom and your counsel. So for that exam in college or when writing the dissertation, my mother would say, say the 23rd Psalm three times. When interviewing for that job, say the 23rd Psalm. Say, take a deep breath and leave it alone. If you feel like you need some more, say the Lord's Prayer. That was her answer. That was her wisdom. So I felt like if it worked for mama, if it was good enough for mama, then it's good enough for me. If it's good enough for me, I pray one day it'd be good enough for my children too. But when waiting for the news from the doctor, it was the same thing across the years. Recite the 23rd Psalm three times and let it go. When hoping for a spiritual breakthrough, recite the 23rd Psalm three times, let it go. When waiting for a financial blessing, recite the 23rd Psalm three times, let it go. You got to the point where you just stop asking mama. Just called her up and said, mama, I recited the 23rd Psalm three times and now I'm waiting. We just wait, baby, and trust in God. It's going to be all right. Yeah, I like mama's homespun wisdom. I think it took her a long way, and hopefully it'll carry us too. So now it's my turn to pass it on, not only to my children, but to any children that I find in need of any direction, any calm, or any reassurance. I have to tell them we are like sheep, and God is our shepherd. The New Testament scholar N.T. Wright challenges us this way. Wright says, suppose the Psalms had been lost and never been printed in any Bibles or prayer books. Hmm. 
Suppose they turned up in a faded but still legible scroll discovered by archaeologists in the sands of Jordan or Egypt. What would happen, you think? When deciphered and translated, they would be on the front page of every newspaper in the world. Many scholars from many disciplines would marvel at the beauty and content of these ancient worship songs and poems. The Psalms, he said, are among the oldest poems in the world, and they still rank with any poetry in any culture, ancient or modern, from anywhere in the world. They are full of power and passion, horrendous misery and unrestrained jubilation, tender sensitivity and powerful hope. Anyone at all whose heart is open to new dimensions of human experience, anyone who loves good writing, anyone who wants a window into the bright lights and dark corners of the human soul, anyone open to the beautiful expression of a larger vision of reality should react to these poems like someone who hasn't had a good meal for a week or two. It's all here. Sounds like Wright was talking about somebody uh, fasting during Lent, huh? I think that he got it right. In reading through the Psalms, we are reminded that as with reading a great Hallmark card, some of our best sentiments are hard to capture in words. Within the Psalter, we can find examples of every human emotion. Experience every triumph and every travail, find hope and despair, Noah may not fully understand the full meaning of the words now, but in time he will. My grandmother would say, just keep on living, baby. And I pray he has many more years before him. For this psalm, like so many, helps to express the essence of the human condition. When we use this book of prayers, we are able to enter into the world of our ancestors where we encounter the endless hope of those who trusted in the same God, the very same God for the very same concerns. We want to be justice-minded, but when we don't have enough food to eat, no shelter from the elements, inadequate resources to pay our very own bills, no health insurance for the surgery the doctors have told us we need to have in order to cure what ails us, physical problems of our own. Reciting Psalm 23 and especially verse 1 becomes our constant refrain. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. So whether it's brokering a new business deal or returning to the workforce after a long absence or just keeping that business afloat, provision looks pretty much the same. We see why they are said to be essential to the life of faith. We see why they are said to be critical for our knowledge of the God of Israel, whom we gather Sunday after Sunday to worship. And the one we lift up during our week, time after time. These prayers help guide us in the walk of righteousness. These words teach us how to pray. In their book, Primary Speech, A Psychology of Prayer, Anne and Barry Ulanoff say this about prayer. Prayer to God, to the source of being, gives us more being, more self. I could use a little of that sometimes. How about you? 
Church, as we consider the basics of a life filled with faith, even in uncertainty, even in uncertainty, go with the assurance like David to offer our sincerest prayers to the one who is the author and finisher of our faith. Go with the shepherd boy. Go with David who renders himself vulnerable in prayer to the creator of all time, space, and eternity. Go with David. Go in prayer to a God who establishes our faith and allows us to not only pray for ourselves, but leads us to pray for others, yea, even our enemies. Go with David. Learn these words of prayer and don't lose heart. But don't forget them either because they are important. Prayer. When we don't know the words to pray, we thank God for the spirit. But sometimes it's good when you have something in your memory bank. Sometimes it's good just to resort to those prayers that pull out every dimension in life and give you something to stand upon. Prayer. Like these words, when David offered this prayer, is essential to the life of faith not only in this Lenten season, but in every day along life's journey. So much so as we remember not only praying for ourselves, but praying, yes, even for others, takes the emphasis off of us, gives us something else to be thoughtful about and prayerful for. You see, when interviewed by Oprah Winfrey, Maya Angelou said this about prayer, I know that when I pray, something wonderful happens. Not just to the person or persons for whom I am praying, but also something wonderful happens to me. Something wonderful is ready to happen. Won't you let the shepherd guide you? It's all right, church. Sometimes it's okay to put your hands together and give God some praise through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.